Should we go electric? I think we should go electrified with Toyota. Electrified? Electrified means options. So electrified looks different for everyone. Yup, and with more options for reducing carbon emissions, Toyota is electrified diversified. Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash beyondzero. Hey, Jim. Ring, ring. Jim. Hello? Jim. Hey, you have hey, your, Catherine. You have your, Jim, you have your spirits back. Uh, yeah, I suppose a, a little bit right now. What happened? Well, I just got the news that they're deploying a hospital ship, a military hospital ship with a thousand beds to dock in New York and serve as a sort of emergency hospital facility, which is exactly the sort of thing that we need right now. And when I see good moves being taken, it is a slight temporary relief to me. Um... I have a metallic taste in my mouth. Should I be worried? Is that a question from you? Yes. Um, you know, sometimes just when you have congestion, um, that can lead to subtle changes. I haven't heard anything specifically about a metallic taste being different. Being... My body feels like there's maybe there's just like like one percent of it. One percent of the blood is actually acid. <laughs> well. Um, that could just be you. You know, um, you know, in Wayne's world, when he's like, I thought once that I had mono for an entire year and it turned out I was just really bored. I, I, I keep thinking, uh, I, I, a lot of anxiety is manifesting as similar, like early coronavirus systems, sy- right. symptoms, there's, right? Yeah. Just well, like, oh, anxiety. I'm short of breath and I like, my yes. head feels weird. <laughs> because like, right. also, oh, by the way, also, I haven't left my house and I haven't moved and right. I've been eating uh, ramen and right. I haven't seen anyone and I'm right. anxious right. and I'm worried about my family and my job. Um, right. <laughs> anyway, um, so yeah, I mean, we can't be the only people who are really feeling a lot of anxiety right now and... Um, you know, we are lucky to have a therapist who writes for The Atlantic, uh, who who wrote a column yesterday about um, how to deal with anxiety and emotions during this time. And just reading the column made me feel so much better. And uh, so we wanted to call Lori Gottlieb. Um, she writes the Dear Therapist column for The Atlantic. And she she's agreed to talk to us and, and uh, give some basic tips about how to manage kind of your mental health during this time, which I think uh, I know I need. And uh, I'm not going to speak for you, but no, I mean, other days you I need, need it today. Too. I feel fine. Uh, tomorrow yeah. I probably won't. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to call her. Hello. Hi. Hi. Catherine. Hi, Catherine. How are I'm you? To... Um, Good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, also good, fine, you know. What do yeah. you think about that question right now? How are you? Hey, I'm here too. Sorry, I should. Uh, oh, I sorry. didn't know at Jim's what point here. I could hi. jump in there. Uh, hi, Lori. Nice now to we're not going to say you. how are you because now we're self conscious about it. Well, no one's quite well, are we? <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, here's the thing that I think is nice about that question now that a lot of people actually want to hear the answer. So when mm-hmm. we used to we used to ask that question, we just expected someone to give us a quick fine, good, whatever. And I think what's nice is that because we really crave connection, 
um, a lot of people really want to know, how are you? And they want to share their stories and they really are curious to hear the longer version. That's nice. Yeah. So, so Lori, would you, um, just for the audience, would you introduce yourself just in case they are not familiar, which I imagine many of them already are? Sure. I'm Lori Gottlieb. I am a psychotherapist. I write the Dear Therapist column for The Atlantic, and I'm the author of the book, Maybe You Should Talk to Someone. And you're in LA? I am. What's the city like right now? It's kind of like a ghost town. Yeah. Um, you know, we always, people always joke about LA traffic. There is not any traffic. And is that, is it, are you missing? <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going out. So I'm not, I'm not really experiencing, uh, you know, the, the beauty of no traffic in the same way. But, um, you know, I think that, that a lot of us are, are trying to social, uh, distance as much as we can. Um, but there are a lot of people who still have to go to work. Um, you know, and, and so those people are out there and, and, um, you know, they're certainly, I'm sure, noticing. And on the one hand, it's very nice not to have so many people around, but it's also kind of eerie. Oh, yeah. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, yeah. So, I mean, what, what do we make of a, given that human connection is so essential, uh, to our mental health and well-being, what, how do we even begin to approach a crisis like this where the, the, the prescription is isolation? Well, first of all, we keep using that word isolation, and I think that that's a really misleading word. I think mm-hmm. that the way that we frame this for ourselves is going to help us um, feel more connected. And so we aren't actually isolated. We are more connected than probably ever before in history. And um, if we want to connect with someone, that is a click away. So when we think about it as isolation, that can cause depression and anxiety. But when we think about it as we have to keep our physical distance, but we are absolutely not isolated from other people. So, um, you know, relatively speaking, if you can see someone over a screen and talk to them and, and, and have that visual, um, you know, that's certainly going to help you through this time that we're in. Mm -hmm. But when we have the opportunity to be in the same room, it's going to be a very different experience. We always say there are so many people, for example, so I'm a therapist and a lot of people not in this time, but normally will say, Oh, there's so much traffic or I can't leave work. Can we just Skype? And a colleague of mine calls uh, Skype session. She said, it's like doing therapy with a condom on because (laughs) (laughs) there's really, there's really no substitute for um, what it's like to be in the same physical space with somebody to kind of hear them breathe, to, 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 feel the same, you know, to see the same things in the same room, to kind of feel the energy in the room. Um, There's no substitution for that. But I think that when we're in this time where we have to be safe, not just for ourselves, but for our entire communities, um, it's imperative that we take that seriously. And so can we manage with video chat? Of course. Yeah, that is such a helpful reframing. Um, so I imagine you're getting lots of questions uh, about how to manage this situation, especially the distance. And I imagine it is ex- especially difficult for families who are separated. And um, I'm curious what kinds of things you're hearing from your audience about you know, what their primary concerns like this week are. I think their primary concerns are... Uh, 
how to deal with family relationships when people don't agree on what precautions should be taken. I think that a lot of these disagreements come down to people's anxiety that they're not talking about. So, or, or in some cases, people aren't anxious enough. And I know that's, that's the most counterintuitive thing to say at this time when all people are talking about is how anxious everybody is. But I have to say there are people out there who are not anxious enough, and that's why they're not taking precautions. And so that's the difference between what we call productive anxiety, which is you see the risks, you're taking reasonable precautions, like you're washing your hands a lot, you're not exposing yourself um, unnecessarily, or you're not exposing other people unnecessarily. Um, that's, that's because you have productive anxiety about this virus. Now, unproductive anxiety are the people who ruminate obsessively about it. They're the people who are checking the news, you know, every 10 minutes or every hour. Um, they're, they're, you know, can't focus on anything except for kind of like all Corona all the time. And those are the people who are, are really putting their own emotional health at risk and, and the emotional health of those around them too. So that's contagious also, that sort of, you know, ruminative anxiety. So the people in the families who are saying, well, it's okay if, you know, I'm out in the world and then I go visit our 80 year old parents, um, they need to have a little more anxiety. And what's happening is they are anxious and what they're doing instead is they're going into denial. So they don't want to feel the anxiety. So they go into denial and they say, oh no, I'm going to put my head in the sand and it's okay. They're not doing that consciously. But that's what's happening. So how do you have that conversation with somebody so you can get past the denial and into a place of let's have a reasonable conversation about this? Well, that that is a I have a very practical question for you on that front. Um, I, I mean, for instance, I think I'm not alone in this. A lot of people, the, the only way I know how to get through to to my parents, say, is by yelling at them so much that they get mad, <laughs> you know, um, so how do you have any really nitty gritty guidance on how to have these conversations in, an, in, a, in a way that's empathetic, but also communicates the, the seriousness and the urgency of this? Yeah, I, I would say I have two suggestions. One is that I think when you when you're sort of trying to get your point across um, and it's you're just kind of arguing facts, the best way to do that is to actually just say, here, I just want you to read this. And then give them something that's very, you know, digestible, short, concrete, um, so that they they can read it for themselves. So it's not just some mm -hmm. kind of, you know, idea that you might have in your head that they think you're overreacting to. Right. And and I think that you know, seeing enough of that might be helpful. Sometimes it takes more than one, you know, it's kind of like, it's kind of like we say with our kids when they taste a new food that they need to taste it seven times before they know if they like it. Um, you know, it's kind of like when you're trying to tell somebody something that they're very resistant to, they might need to see it in seven different places before. I, yeah, for sure. I mean, I guess the question that, the, I mean, the reason that say I went into yelling mode is that, you know, seven times is maybe a few days a few more days of them being out in the world, you right, know, but and potentially. This way. Yeah, but yeah. think of it this way. If you yell, it's going to be a lot more days of them out in the world because they're not going to hear you. Nobody can hear anybody when they're yelling. Um, all they hear is the yelling. They don't hear the content. And so if you continue to yell because you're so anxious that it might take a few more days if you show them lots of articles, um, they're going to move faster, even if it's a few days later by seeing the articles because your yelling probably will never change their minds or it won't change it for, you know, weeks. 
I'm going to have to change my whole approach of conversation with my parents. This is very, <laughs> very disappointing. Well, I was um, going to say the, the other the other thing is in addition to, you know, kind of and giving them those before you give them those, the conversation isn't about, hey, you really need to do this. It's about I love you so much and I don't want to see anything happen to you. And here's what I see happening. And I just want to no let you know that you will make whatever decision that you make. But I want to give you all the information because it would be so sad. I would be devastated if something happened to you because you didn't have this information. You know what? That is so helpful. And uh, of course, once you say it, it's obvious. And I, I think my parents listen to this podcast. So I'm going to tell them right here. What I about... love you so much. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Let me have my moment, Jim. No, 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 please. Jim is uh... uncomfortable with this. Yeah, no. <laughs> I'm going to tell my parents I love them. Mom and dad, I love you and I'm concerned about you and I want you to stay at home so that so that I have you for, how do I say it? Sorry, I lost it. <laughs> I love you and I'm concerned about you. Just and stick to the script. I just want you to take care of yourself. I'm sorry. Don't That's try to draw on any I'll sort of well later. of earnest emotions. Oh, I tried. I gave yeah, it no, a shot. I'll call him later. Um, so there's the added element here, which makes it even more difficult in my experience in that I'm talking also to people I don't love, and uh, they there's a, the you know this is not an individual choice that um, it's not just their own health that they're putting at risk. Right. So I think that the the challenge is is that um, a lot of people are not doing what we need to do, which is you know we, we all know what we need to do. Um, but I think that a lot of people feel like, well, I'm not at high risk or, um, you know, all my friends are doing it. And there's a lot of pressure, even with my son, who's who's 14 years old. Um, his friends wanted to go play basketball just to get out because they thought, well, that's social distancing. And I was like, that's not happening. Um, and, and the other parents thought I was crazy. You know, I think that the more that we can model that we that we that we stick to our to our um, our own limits and that we don't, that we aren't influenced by, you know, people telling us that we're overreacting or that we're being crazy. Um, the more we get sort of a critical mass of that, the more people will do it. And I also should say that young people, especially, are really motivated by the idea of helping other people. If you plant that idea in their head that this is not doing this for you, this is doing this for the community at large, they're very motivated. Um, people want to help other people. Especially millennials, when you see what's going on online with this, they're they're coming up with all kinds of creative ways of saying, hey, we really need to stay. And they're trying to encourage one another to stay in for their parents, for their grandparents, for the neighbor across the street with the compromised immune system, for all of us. Yeah. I hope yeah. that lasts. I'm wondering what the limits of human isolation well, I'll tell you and what. loneliness will do to us if it's three weeks from now and we're like, hey... Okay, I, mean, I think that I think again, reframing this is going to be really helpful because the more that the the language out there is like we're in prison, you yeah. know, we've lost our freedoms, um, we're in jail. Um, the more people are going to feel like I got to get out of here. Yeah. But if we can if we can look at this in another way, which is equally true, which is that. We used to be trapped by our schedules. We used to be trapped by the fact that we all the time complained, I have no time to do this. Oh, I wish I could do this. I need a week off of work to do this. Well, guess what, people? We have it. 
And as I wrote in my piece in The Atlantic, it's both and. So it's, yes, this horrible thing is going on. And yes, people are sick and dying. And all of that is true. And at the same time, the way we manage this is our choice. Yeah, that's one. That's so helpful. And I loved your piece, um, which we encourage people to read. It's on theatlantic.com. We're the doing Atlantic. a ton of... Uh, theatlantic.com. Sponsored um, by theatlantic.com. Anyway, uh, we it's it's such a good piece, and I think one of the things you point out, in addition to the both and concept, or I guess it's related, is um, the value of humor and levity too. I mean, I think for the last yeah. week, it's felt like it's not okay to laugh, um, at least for me. That's and, why you haven't uh, been laughing at what I've been saying. Hmm. Well, <laughs> fascinating. I mean, I do generally, I've been going really easy on Jim because usually I like to make fun of him and I don't feel like it's appropriate now. But anyway, I'd love to know what you, uh, what your advice is for people who can't live in the doom and gloom all the time, but also are feeling sort of guilty about, about levity. Yeah. You know, the example I gave in my piece, which I think is really apt for what's going on now is I was seeing a patient who had cancer and a lot of people around her felt like, well, we can't laugh. We can't have fun. We can't live basically because it will minimize what she's going through. And she felt that way about her own life. Um, and what she came to realize was none of us is really living if we can't laugh, if we can't also have fun, if we can't also enjoy ourselves while there's that fear and anxiety that's, you know, kind of in, always there in the background because of the cancer. And so I think that we need to be able to um, have both, which is, and we need laughter more than ever right now. And so the people who are saying, well, I, I have to be very, you know, I can't laugh or it's inappropriate or I'm embarrassed or it feels politically incorrect to enjoy myself, whatever they're doing, it doesn't mean they're enjoying themselves all the time. It doesn't mean they're not scared. It doesn't mean they don't feel for the, for people who are really suffering, but it means that both things are happening at the same time and neither one is more real than the other. So is it okay for Jim to make bad jokes and then for me to laugh at him for how bad the jokes are. I encourage it. Hmm. Oh, wow. That's a weight lifted, isn't it? Hey, if I can, whatever I can do. Hey, my final, I think was just kind of uh, uh, practical tips for um, alleviating anxiety. I, it, it comes in waves of sort of despair over me when I think about all of the damage that this is causing and is going to cause. It's overwhelming. And then, yeah. um, you know, I feel I know that I can be only helpful if I can productively ch channel that uh, anxiety. Uh, and I just need, you know, is there like an exercise or a mantra or something that I could use to get more quickly back into that productive uh, headspace instead of just staring out the window at the empty streets and being looking at all the restaurants that are going to go out of business and uh, worrying about every pot, everything. Uh. Yeah. So humans don't do well with uncertainty in general. And we are in the most uncertain of times right now. And what we tend to do to fill in the blanks, because we want to have control and we want to have some kind of certainty, is uh, we make up stories. And we make up stories about something that hasn't happened yet. So that's what we call futurizing or catastrophizing. 
And what we really need to do right now is stay in the present moment that we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Uh, we don't know what's going to happen in three weeks. We don't know what's going to happen in a few months, but we know what's happening right now. And so what we can do is productively deal with what's happening right now. And, uh, that really alleviates anxiety because you're not spinning off into some story that could be com a complete fiction. We do know what's happening now. Let's stay in the present. Some, some ways that people can do that is sometimes if they really, their mind is really spinning is just sit in a chair and feel your feet on the floor and you start and you breathe, you feel your feet on the floor. I'm right here right now. I'm sitting in this chair and then you kind of feel it go up your body. You feel your knees, pull, push your knees together. Okay, I feel my knees, they're together. And you just do that all the way up until you get to, you know, up to your neck. And then you just, you're, you're a lot calmer. You're there, you're present. And now you can say, okay, now what do I want to do in this moment that will be helpful for me? And I think routine is really helpful with that too. I, I always encourage people to the night before, write out what you're going to do the next day. Give yourself kind of a time, like make sure you shower and get dressed. Um, make sure you're eating your meals at regular times. Make sure you're eating healthy meals. Um, make sure you move your body. You can you can do you know there's all this sort of like online yoga. Um, you know there's there's uh, lots of mixtapes playlists out there that you can dance to. Um, people are getting together to exercise online. Just move your body and have this all scheduled out. What are you going to do so that you feel like I can really focus on the present? And oh look. It's 11 o'clock. Here's my schedule. Here's what I'm supposed to be doing right now. Right. Right. That's so helpful. Helpful now, helpful in any time. <laughs> so, um, well, thank you so much. We won't take any more of your time today, uh, but we would love to talk to you again as this goes on. I think this is so, this is exactly what people need right now. This is exactly what we need right now. Um, so I really, really appreciate you taking the time to to talk to us. And yeah. I hope, sure, my uh, pleasure. Ho Happy hope to. you're okay out there in LA. Yeah, thank All you right. so Let much for, you need anything for else. your wisdom. Thank you. Really appreciate it. Okay. Thank you. Take care. Okay, bye. 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 Um, Jim, did that make you feel better? That was extremely helpful for me. Uh, yeah. Very, very helpful for me. Good. If it's helpful for you, then that by proxy makes me feel helped. Um, I. It sounds like you're trying to put the anxiety on me. You're the one who's been stressing me out with so, all your information. Sorry. No. Um, right. So sometimes I wasn't making you anxious. You were making me anxious. I, 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 well, I want to calibrate everyone's anxiety levels appropriately. And I think I've calibrated yours appropriately, right? Like when we first talked, you, you were kind of like, is this a thing? Do I have to take it seriously? Do I have to actually go to the store? And now you're like, uh, am I ever going to leave my house? <laughs> Uh, and that yeah, was only a week ago. We, yeah. Your calibration was spot on. Okay. Um, I might have yeah. overcalibrated, so now I want you to not have so much anxiety. Yeah. No, talking to the lawyer was very, very helpful. And I. You know, I mean, I think too often we find ourselves in the position of being a human, um, human doing instead of a human being. Jim. I think I liked you better when you were stressed. You were less cheesy. Okay, we got to end. I, okay. Uh, I, I feel better, and I don't want you to bring me down with your bad jokes. Okay. Um, okay, uh, but thank you. This was really helpful, and I want um, everyone to know that we 
would like to continue to take questions from you and um, we will actually put your questions to Lori. Um, of course, you can reach out to her through her Dear Therapist column as well, which is on theatlantic.com. Check out her article from yesterday, which was the Dear, Dear Therapist Guide to Staying Sane During a Pandemic. So, um, but if you would like to send us questions of, of any nature, you can email us at socialdistance@theatlantic.com, and we have a phone number as well, which is 202-642-6487. Feel free to leave us a message. You can leave us your number or contact information, uh, and we'll do our best to, to try to help. Can we um, play those calls on the air? Yeah, we can. Oh, so, so that's calling is giving consent to be aired. Yes. Unless you say otherwise in your call. That's right. Okay. Okay. Uh, thanks. Later. Talk to you later. Bye. So, should we go electric? I think we should go electrified with Toyota. Electrified? Electrified means options. Yes, we could go all electric with a Toyota BZ4X, but then there are hybrids like Grand Highlander. Or we could do something in between like a RAV4 plug-in hybrid. So, Toyota is electrified diversified? Yep, and with more options for reducing carbon emissions, the closer we all get to Toyota's Beyond Zero vision for the future. Exactly how much coffee have you had this morning? Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash beyondzero.